We're Jill and Jenna, sisters who believe that gut health is the baseline required to live your best life. But health is way more than that. So we've made it our mission to take a deep dive into gut health, mental health, fitness, nutrition, and more. Interviewing experts, having real conversations, all while making sure all of the information is digestible. Welcome Welcome to to our our gut talk. Jill and I have been using these electrolytes for a while now. And recently we made a video saying we don't drink a lot of plain water and the responses were interesting. Let me explain further. To properly hydrate, you want to include water with electrolytes. Hear me out. When you sweat, you are losing water and sodium. Both of these need to be replaced to prevent headaches, muscle cramps, energy dips, confusion, and more. I used to get a cramp after big workouts, especially at night that would wake me up. It was that really deep cramp that hurt like hell. If you've had one, you know what I'm talking about. But after drinking electrolytes with my water, I cannot remember the last time that that's happened. Electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormonal regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. They also boost performance and recovery. Element, spelled LMNT, is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Jill and my favorite flavors are the raspberry and watermelon salt. We also love citrus. What we do is we add the electrolytes to a big reusable bottle of water and sip on it all day. So if you're someone who constantly says you need to drink more water, this might be right up your alley. It also makes drinking water fun. We have a deal for the Gut Talk community. You can go to drinkelement.com. That's drinkelement.com slash guttalkgirls. We also link it in the show notes to get a free Element sample pack when you make any purchase through our link. The Element sample pack includes one packet of every flavor. This is perfect for anyone who's interested in trying all the flavors or if you want to introduce a friend to Element. So try it out and let us know what you think. Hi, Gut Talk fam and Jenna. Oh, hello. We have the most exciting guest on our podcast today. A dream guest, if you will. When Jenna and I first started our podcast, we put a list together of people we wanted on the podcast and then people where we didn't even know if it was possible to have them on, Mm -hmm. but they were the absolute dream guests. And at the top of that list is our guest today, Dr. Jolene Brighton. Dr. Brighton is a board-certified naturopathic endocrinologist, a clinical sexologist, and a force and a leader in women's medicine. Pretty much every taboo topic that you can think about. So we are so excited to have her on Gut Talk today. You'll hear in our episode why we love Dr. Brighton as much as we do. Before we had her on our podcast, I read her book. She changed my life. She changed my perception on female hormones on my period, on my entire body and the way that it functions. And the fact that we got to speak to her today was a dream. She has this book coming out, Is This Normal, that we both have had a sneak peek and gotten a chance to read. And it is fantastic. At the end of the day, we recognize there's so many questions around periods, around birth control. Should you be taking it? What's wrong with your hormones? Should we have painful periods? Why isn't sex talked talked about enough? And 
We talk about all of those things in this episode, and we're just so freaking excited to bring this to you today. The entire goal of our brand, Gut Talk, is to help you become your own advocate and expert of your own health. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Jolene Brighton puts out the tools on her TikTok, on her Instagram, on her website. Her website is a huge, huge help. I would very much recommend you going to look at her website. And of course, both of her books and her new book coming out. So I just... I couldn't recommend diving into her content more. I think you're going to learn a lot in a very digestible way. We are very excited for you to hear this conversation. Please welcome Dr. Jolene Brighton to Gut Talk. Uh, You got to know about gut health to even like... Exactly. I just feel like if people don't understand that their gut is like everything like we've got to be having those conversations because I mean if you've read beyond the pill certainly you'll see it and is this normal I'm like gut liver if those two ain't right like what are we gonna do we're gonna dump supplements in you can't even absorb like it's um yeah or like you know you're trying to eat an anti-inflammatory diet but the problem is you have an infection um so I love that you are doing that it is super super important I actually thought I had, um, so just to relate to you, Jill, I had chronic gastritis as a child, um, which you're like not supposed to be seven and have uh, gastritis, like that's unheard of. And I went for 10 years, um, vomiting after meals, having horrible reflux, people accusing me of having an eating disorder, Mm -hmm. all of these things. Then H. pylori was discovered, but it actually made it into clinical practice. And I saw another doctor at 17 years old and they were like you know let's get an endoscopy I'm like not another one like uh like as a child I had so many tubes everywhere not fun and I got an endoscopy they took a sample and lo and behold I had H. pylori and I was treated for that yeah my doctor said let's get another endoscopy another as in like I had had so many tubes as a child put in me to try to do all these tests and figure out what was going on and lo and behold they discover H. pylori and I get treated for it and it was very validating um except that my doctor was like you're gonna be on these proton pump inhibitors for the rest of your life like you have reflux and I was like hold up but like if I eat orange juice refined carbohydrates like high sugar if I'm combining these things like and I went through my diet and I was like wait but if I don't go through the fast food window like I actually feel better Mm -hmm. and my doctor like many doctors were like oh no nutrition doesn't do anything I proceeded to go study nutrition after that then um and I thought you know I'm going to be a doctor I'm going to be a gut doctor for sure and it wasn't until I really had a light bulb moment sitting in class and in pathology and realizing like oh my god women's medicine is always done to them it's not done with them like there are so many issues that women have including gastrointestinal that are completely ignored that are we're gaslit about like um yes this was like you know almost two decades ago that I'm like gaslighting is is a real thing (laughs) and now we're all seeing this uh catch up but it was through my own experience of like being a patient that really fueled the kind of provider that I wanted to be. So like Jill, I applaud you for being like, I had gut issues and now like I'm going to help people not be where I was at because we just need more of that energy in the world. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I completely agree. I agree with everything you're saying. And it's funny because I found out about you because I was having horrible period cramps 
-hmm. and I had gotten off of birth control. Now I'm learning not the right way. I just stopped taking it one day with no knowledge as to what to do. Um, well, I mean, but, that is how you stop birth control. You just stop taking it. That right. Is, that is right. You stop taking it. Well done. I just, right. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but I went to my OBGYN who birthed me, who had been my mom and my aunt and our neighbor's OBGYN yeah. for forever. And I go in and I'm like, okay, like I, I we started to get into this holistic world. So I'm like, I'm going to ask for tests. I'm going to I'm gonna demand oh, answers. How did that go? The person who delivered you had been in practice for a very long time. Right. <laughs> he told me, he gave me the fancy word for period cramps. And he said, thank you. <laughs> I remember thinking it sounded like diarrhea and that, that wasn't Which does go me. hand in hand. Like right. you get really bad, painful cramps and you also get diarrhea. We can talk about why. <laughs> right, right. But I, so he said, that is unfortunately something millions of women struggle with and the only thing that can help you is birth control and Mm. I'm like I don't want to go back on it and but I accepted the prescription that he wrote up for me and I get in the car and I call Jenna and I'm crying because I was so upset and she goes no Jill I have a book for you to read it's called beyond the pill swear (laughs) and I download it on my kindle in the car because it was making me feel better that I could immediately take action I download the book I I go home and I didn't get back on birth control and my period cramps are still not great so I'm really looking forward to the conversation today as we get into it but had Jenna not pointed me in your direction I would have gotten back on it which again if you want to take birth control for your reasoning go for it. But I didn't. And I felt so helpless that I thought that there were no other answers. So Mm -hmm. I thought it would be great to start out by talking about birth control. I've heard you talk before and you're like, hey, if you if you want to be on it and you know everything about what it's doing to your body, go for it. But I would love to understand a little bit more about hormonal birth control. Can we start with like what it is? Yes, totally. And I think, you know, I love how you preface this conversation. Like we can absolutely recognize how important it's been in our lives. Like I am a first generation college student. I went all the way to being a doctor. I spent 10 years on the pill. And I like, you'll hear so many of us who talk about the side effects and the issue with the pill still say we would do it because we have no other choice. Um, And like, I don't know that I, people are like, why wouldn't you just do fertility awareness method? I don't know that my 20 something year old self, I don't, I just like know me and where I was at in that period of my life. And there are 20 somethings who just like slay when it comes to fertility awareness methods. So to each their own. But as we talk about this, we have to just recognize that it's an imperfect drug and every drug has side effects. But for some reason, when we talk about the pill, people are like, la, 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 la. No, you are only allowed to say positive things about it. And I will say, like, I can say a lot of positive things. So when I explain that, like, I'm a Latina, okay? Like, I'm a Latina who used the pill and was able to advance my career. And I come from this large Hispanic family. Sometimes people who don't understand Hispanic families, like, they don't, they don't get it. They don't get, like, how different that is like I'm the first person in my family not to get pregnant as a teenager like that is huge so um it always just is kind of you know something that I want to share but I also I think people are always quick to be like well she just hates the pill and I'm like I like um I got to have a baby in my 30s when I wanted to like that's pretty awesome but it is imperfect it does not uh, do everything that we wish that it would do, which is just like, you know, um, part the clouds and let the sun shine on us at all moments. So 
when we talk about the birth control, uh, well, we talk about hormonal birth control, what most people are talking about when you see it on social media, when you just hear about it, is the pill because that's the most commonly prescribed, most commonly used, um, you know, close to 12 million women in the United States taking the pill. Roughly uh, 58% of people report that they take it for non-pregnancy prevention reasons, like the primary reason, that's like the bonus, but the primary reason is for the symptoms that they're dealing with. And so how does this all work? Well, when you take the pill, that is going to stop your ovaries from doing their job. They are no longer going to produce estrogen and progesterone. And you should see fluctuations in estrogen and progesterone in a normal cycle. Estrogen is dominant and that is normal in the follicular phase. And then it takes a backseat to progesterone, which becomes dominant and you can only achieve progesterone via ovulation during the luteal phase. And so what the pill does is it actually suppresses the flow of hormones and the ability of the brain to signal the ovaries and for the ovaries to respond to that. None of that is happening. And so it actually works at the brain level that the brain never sends the signals to the ovaries um, that like, hey, we need to ovulate because it's not getting it's not getting that signal back from the ovaries. The ovaries have to spike estrogen to tell to tell the the brain like we're ready for the egg, and that is a beautiful mechanism for preventing pregnancy. If we don't want to have a baby, not ovulating like amazing. Secondarily, it will also thicken your cervical mucus, so sperm shall not pass, and it will thin the endometrial lining. So even if you did become pregnant, it could not implant. And as we all know, that we all know somebody who got pregnant on some form of birth control, because no birth control is 100% effective. And in fact, one of the best forms uh, is actually vasectomy, but like nobody's talking about penises when we talk about pregnancy prevention. Although... They are the perpetrators <laughs> of pregnancy. Yeah, they are. <laughs> okay, so th- th- I think that's an excellent summary, and I love how basic that is for understanding, because like we talked about before, for the people who maybe weren't science majors, that all makes sense. If you choose to get off of it, birth control, mm-hmm. hormonal birth control, has been doing all of these things to stop you from getting pregnant. When yeah. you get off birth control, I know the answer to this, but I'm still going to ask, does your body just click back into place? Like, does everything just start working and you're good to go? Some people, it does. Um, This is like so much of this conversation. I mean, to be like, put a question mark on that. Why do some (laughs) people, why do some people do and some people don't? Um, A big reason why some people don't is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So PCOS, uh, roughly 10% of the population has it. We're seeing cystic acne. We're seeing hair growth, chin, chest, abdomen, loss of hair, and irregular periods. Your doctor then puts you on the pill and says, I regulated your period. Well, what is a period? Um, A period is part of a cycle in which you ovulate. Um, And this gets why it's so important. Medicine is so imprecise with the word period, but why this is so important is because a period follows ovulation. And we tell women who are not on the pill, you need a period. It's really important. Then when women are on the pill or they're on IUD or they, you know, another form of hormonal birth control and they lose their period, you're told it's not necessary. I get patients all the time that are like, which is it? Well, that bleed that's due to a medication is not necessary because you are not building up your endometrium in the same way. Like things are different in that scenario. And so that's why it's important to understand that. And in addition, because when you come off the pill, whether it's PCOS or not, when I came off the pill, I do not have PCOS. I 
um, in my 40s, I still ovulate and menstruate by the clock and always have. But when I came off the pill, I had no period and I was freaked out. And I actually said to my doctor, my per- I had regular periods for the last 10 years that I'm on the pill and now my period's missing. And they said like the only way to get your period back is to go back on the pill. But in all that conversation, I didn't know that I actually never had a period in those 10 years. That's not what was going on. And so sometimes when women come off and sometimes they're like put on it like 13, which big question mark, we absolutely have no idea what the impact is, whether it's negative, whether it's positive, whether it's nothing on what happens when you put a developing brain on the pill. And that is really before your 20s. Your brain is rapidly developing and depending on your estrogen and progesterone, not progestin, to develop your entire neurological system like and take it to the finish line. So there's like a lot of question marks. And like I bring all of this up because some people come off the pill and it's fine. And some people come off the f- pill And it is not fine. And they didn't have issues before or they did have issues before. And I hate to break it to you, but the pill did not fix anything. Because if it did, they wouldn't just come flooding back when you come off. And so certainly women with PCOS can see this. Um, People who got on it just to treat acne, they can see it. With the painful periods, those can come back as well. And again, it's because the pill like in shutting down your ovaries from making these hormones and just making them static, it does a fantastic job at stopping these symptoms. It also works at the liver level. Well, it's not working. Your body's compensating and making sex hormone binding globulin, which is a protein that grabs on to hormones. And so in that way, it suppresses symptoms. But as soon as you come off, most of those symptoms are coming back. Yeah, that's so interesting. And you mentioned that birth control isn't fixing any of this. And I think when we went on it, when we were, I don't remember, 15, 16 years old, we both went off on it for a reason, right? We didn't, we felt horrible on our periods. But then it's so funny that when we, when we, right, when we went back on it or off of it, 10 years later, whatever it was, we were a little less than 10 years, I think, cystic acne came back. We still don't Mm -hmm. have... I've actually, I've done a lot of gut healing work and honestly, my periods are great besides after I had COVID, which is very interesting. Um, just oh, we can. I talk out. about the pandemic periods and is this normal and like how Do, yeah. things definitely changed. Yeah, we okay. can go there. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to. I know we've gotten a sneak peek of your book, which we've been very grateful for. And so I started it, but I'm excited to get to that it's part huge. because I was like, I'm <laughs> onto something. I've told Jill, I told my mom, I'm like, there's something so connected to that. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is birth control did not fix our periods whatsoever. And that's what mm-hmm. you just mentioned. So. I guess my question is, everyone listening is like, me, 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 Mm -hmm. right? What do we do? If you are Mm -hmm. 16, maybe your mom is listening right now, or you can tell your mom, hey, I have these issues. Here are some things we can do. Or you've Mm -hmm. gotten off the pill and the problems have come back, meaning painful periods or acne or bloating or headaches. I mean, we know there's so many symptoms that you get around your period, What are some things we can do lifestyle-wise? 
Totally. So I have two books. I have Beyond the Pill. Well, I have three books, but for this conversation, there's two books. Um, one is Beyond the Pill. That is about you're on birth control. You're thinking about going on birth control. You're transitioning off. And I talk about the specifics of like, okay, so you had very painful periods. Here's what to do before you come off the pill. But maybe you're not on the pill. You're decades away from the pill. Like you, you know, there's like a lot of other variables. And in Is This Normal, which is my new book, which is it is giant. It is like everything that you could ask. And it is broken down into your sexual self, then your cyclical self, and then a 28-day program. And so what I want to ex- uh, you know, explain here is that if you are on birth control and you're wanting to transition off Beyond the Pill has a program for you in there, I've had to do that. So if you had painful periods, setting yourself about three months before you come off the pill to work on your body so that you're most successful. Because I think, you know, a lot of times I'll hear providers be like, you don't have to do anything special, just come off the pill. These are the same providers that are only going to offer you the pill and like maybe some ibuprofen if you have painful right. periods. God, you know, and maybe investigate endometriosis if like you bother them enough. Like that's, these are the same people. So I want you to, everyone to keep that in mind. When you hear these providers saying, you don't have to do anything special, you just come off of it, like, and then we'll deal with your painful periods when they happen. These are the, also the people who only offer the pill for that. So with coming off that, give yourself a good three months. And I'm going to talk about like some crossover stuff because in Is This Normal, we've got, I've got like uh, tons of like figure out your hormones. Here's what's to do about it. And then I have the cycle symptom relief chart, which is like whatever cycle symptoms you're having get in there and just fix them now. Like get that symptom relief. So when we're talking about painful periods, endometriosis has to be ruled out. So you need to know, do you have endometriosis? Do you have um, adenomyosis? Is there fibroids? Like, is there something else going on? I have checklists in Is This Normal to actually assess, self-assess, do I have endometriosis? I self-assess, do I have fibroids? Is that definitive diagnostic checklist? No, friend, but you know what it is. It is exactly everything you need to take to your provider to advocate for yourself. So you have it all in front of you and you take it and you say, I have all of these things, X, Y, Z. They say, just get on the pill or, you know, periods are just painful. You have to deal with it. And you say, is it possible I could have endometriosis? And is that on your differential diagnosis? And what have you done to rule that in or rule that out? Meeting your provider with that curiosity will usually get you to where you want to go. But right now you're listening to this and you're just like, I don't give an AF about like my provider, any of this conversation, like get me out of period pain. So if it's not endometriosis, it's not these other things. And even if it is, these things will help. It's usually prostaglandins. So prostaglandins are hormone-like chemicals that go in and they stimulate uterine contractions. They will also stimulate your bowels to contract, which is why like when we were talking before of like period pain and period poops, those go together. Is This Normal talks all about the period poops too and the butt lightning and all these like weird things that we get that are very common, um, but not totally normal, but it doesn't mean that like you're broken. (laughs) So prostaglandins are where we need to affect. Prostaglandins are built from our omega fatty acids. So we got an NTP in the house. You already know. Uh, U.S. citizens, where's our omega-6? Like, is it balanced? 
Jenna's like giving me the head shaking. No. (laughs) So omega-6s tend to be really high in our diet. Why? Well, we eat a lot of processed food and foods on the go. Uh, We also are inundated with really crappy, crappy oils, um, like seed oils, canola oil, which you will hear like, you know, like the people who march to the drum of the food pyramid, which is not based on science, it's based on lobbyists, saying like these oils are totally fine, except that we've got major inflammatory issues and just by starting to eliminate omega-6s and bring in more omega-3s, you can shift your prostaglandins so that you get less of the like aggressive contractions. So um, we still want them to contract. We need to shed our endometrial lining, but that can help with the period poops majorly. So making dietary shifts, uh, including more cold water fish. I'm a huge, I'm a huge sardine fan. I hate to mm. eat them. Honestly, I do not like the sardines, but Gosh, they are so economical. They are so uh-huh. like packed with nutrients. I also oh, like hate no. to eat liver, and yet I do it because it is so good for you. Um, and it's so cheap and easy. Like everyone's like yeah. throwing out the liver, and I'm like, again, like you come from a um, you know Mexican household, and it's like, no, we will we will take those organ meats. Thank you very much. So <laughs> right. whenever I say like you know incorporating nuts and seeds, they'll say, well, those are really high in omega sixes as well. Friend, they're giving you omega-3s and their omega-6s, but a whole food version, like this is a very different conversation. Like I get people who are like, well, those are high in omega-6, so like whatever, like why don't I just eat like the microwaved meal? And I'm like, no, like it's not the same. Like we're talking about a whole food. We're also talking about something that has fiber, that has minerals. And speaking of minerals, bringing in uh, magnesium in particular can help with those prostaglandins. So if you are somebody who's really struggling with period pain, dietary shifts, yes, let's start there. However, those are going to take like three months before you really start to feel the effects. Like, because remember, you are a cyclical creature cycling over roughly a month. So in the meantime, you may need to add like 300 milligrams of magnesium glycinate daily, kicking it up to like 600 milligrams. So twice daily, um, five to seven days before your period. Taking omega-3 fatty acids, it needs to be a daily endeavor. It can't be like just before your period, but getting at least 2,000 milligrams. And I like a blend of EPA and DHA because I think you should always take care of your brain because women are 66% of Alzheimer's cases. So like, I don't care what age you are, let's love up your brain. Um, Also, if you don't have a healthy brain, you can't make healthy hormones, like facts right there. So those are two things you can do right now. If you're someone who's like, I'm in pain in the moment, hot water bottles, um, magnesium oil massages over your uterus, sex, yes, with a partner or solo can release endorphins, oxytocin, all the things that'll make you feel good. And if it's internal, you're getting a massage as well with that. And in addition, I would say like Epsom salt baths, like everybody, those are so, so amazing. And then the thing that like everyone like low key hates me for, but like they do it and they're like, oh, that w- that worked. Exercise. When you're in pain, you do not want to freaking move. I get it. Like I was like on the floor bleeding seven or more days at my period as a teen. Um, back in the day, I didn't have a hot water bottle. I had electric core or electrical um, heating pad that I plugged in the wall. So I had to like lay against the wall because no extension cord um, and just cry. And so I totally feel that. And yet movement, especially like simple things like walking can help a lot with uh, you, your your pain threshold overall, but also just getting movement into that pelvis. I'm so stuck on the fact that I'm going to start having to eat sardines. 
No, but, I mean, you can eat salmon, but oh God, okay. everybody just go to Pinterest. I even say this and is this normal? Like if you're just like, ugh, like, ugh, you said sardines, go to Pinterest. There is some brilliant mom or food blogger who's already figured out how to sneak these in. Um, yeah. And the other thing too is that um, if you look at like, uh, I, I love um, on TikTok, like traditional Italian food, uh, they'll make sauces where they're putting the sardines in the sauce and cooking oh. it down. Um, and yeah, we're going to like disrupt some of the um, the fats that are in there in doing that. But it also starts to shift your palate, right? And it's like baby steps to getting used to these things. No, yeah. 100%. I- I'm curious to know, what led you to wanting to write Is This Normal? Because you already had Beyond the Pill, and I feel like that created so much information for people. But clearly there was information that was lacking that drove you to write another book. So I'd love to understand what led you there. Okay, I have to, I'm going to confess this. I don't know, I don't know that I've ever shared this with anyone. But right before Beyond the Pill came out, I texted, uh, if everyone doesn't follow Dr. Isabella Wentz, definitely do that. She's a good friend of mine, brilliant with thyroid and adrenal health. And I texted her and I was like, I can't even feel it in my body right now. Like the panic, I was like, I, I gave it all away and be on the pill. Like I gave it all away. What if I never have another book inside me again? And she was like, firstly, that is a sign of a really good book, like a really well-written book that's really going to serve people. You should be so proud of yourself. And secondly, she's like, I know you. You're not going to ever run out of things to talk about. (laughs) And I didn't. She's right. Um, Yeah. So with Is This Normal, this is the book that I really credit my patients, my social media followers, my readers at drbrighton.com for writing. It is all all of their questions that I have been answering for years, like since 2018, doing Ask Dr. Brayton. Mm-hmm. And I have just brought together all of the top things and like everything that we should all know and that I certainly wish I knew before I got my period, before I, you know, became sexually active, like all of those things. This is not for children, just to clarify for people. And there are things that some people are going to find explicit. I just address it as a physician of like, these are the questions. This is what it is. And additionally, I pursued my sex counseling certification. And so I also added this like additional layer of knowledge. And I'm like, these are the things that like we need to integrate. Because when I started saying on Dr. Brayton, ask Dr. Brayton, this is anonymous. It got real. It got real. How people just the things people were asking that they did not know that they were like, I would never ask my doctor this. And my doctor has sex shamed me. And I'm like, super common, super lame. They should not. But the problem is, is that your doctor's not actually educated in sexual health beyond like STIs and pregnancy prevention. And unless they've actually worked on their own like perspective around sex, they bring a lot of their own baggage. And what are we all taught from a young age? Well, our body is a major source of shame and sex is no exception. And so... That was really, you know, what what inspired the book and what, you know, made it out to be, I just finished recording the audiobook. I think it's going to be like 15 hours by the time it's edited. Like this thing is a beast. And I will also say there's this 28-day program. We had to make a decision. Like this book is like, over like 400 pages of like information and we had to start cutting stuff and my editor was like I don't want recipes and a meal plan in here like we should not skip out on this really crucial information for a meal plan and recipes and I'm like it is really hard to ask somebody to make a dietary shift and not give them a framework of what the heck does that look like because we don't get that in school so Mm -hmm. I actually 
just created the whole meal plan and recipes and I did it week by week. It's four weeks and it goes with based on your menstrual cycle. I created it anyways. So anyone who gets the book, drbrighton.com slash ITN dash resources, you get the meal plan and the recipes that we had to exclude from the book because I just don't think that we should just expect people to like, you know, go it without some framework. And you don't have to be perfect and follow this, but I'm just like, I just firmly believe this can help you. So I want to make sure you have that. But my question to you is like, what was your sex ed like? Like when you had sex ed, what do you remember? Like what was the stuff that really stuck with you? Well, it's funny because <laughs> I've read the beginning of Is This Normal book and, and you were spot on. And it was exactly what happened to me. I remember sitting, we were in middle school, right? I remember sitting, we had to go into a separate trailer. And, <laughs> that sounds right? seedy. What are these people doing? <laughs> And it was the most awkward. I mean, I think everyone left with like the sweatiest armpits. The teacher was absolutely like, what am I doing here? And I remember you you were saying something like the word vagina was so embarrassing for anyone to talk about that we all left honestly worse than when we started. It was like knowledge didn't enter our brain because to be honest, I think most of us blacked out and I'm not being dramatic. (laughs) I literally- No, no, you have to disassociate (laughs) because you don't feel like you're in a safe space and you're being talked to about something incredibly vulnerable. That is actually like, this is one of these things that I answer. Like that's normal. That's a normal human response. Right. But it gets worse. (laughs) Jill is like, wait. (laughs) It gets worse because- we transferred from public school to Catholic school uh-huh. for high school. Oh, snap. So like next level shame because and like, man, they be serving that shame like nobody's business. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because the uh, one of the coolest parts about our parents is we can talk to them about anything. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing that's off limits or shameful with mm, our parents, this. particularly yeah. our mom. Mm-hmm. But... Because I think it was introduced in school and we created the sweaty armpit blackout scenario, I never once wanted to go to my mom. And I don't think it was my mom's fault as much as like Mm. I had already created such this like aversion to talking about it. No, if I couldn't even talk about it with my friends at school, how could I go home and talk to my mom about it? Right. So like you said that in the book, people might think it's explicit. We create this issue for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like, we create this problem. And I remember going into high school and we had our Catholic gym teacher. um, And she was like, you know, it it was very similar to... Why is um, it always the gym teacher, by the way, that's (laughs) teaching us about reproductive health? It was like, like, same, like, same. And I was just like, I get that you understand physical, like, health Mm -hmm. and you understand, like, the the body in some capacity. But um, I don't think you understand how complex this is. And I feel, like, to be fair, they're ill-prepared, as I talk about in the book. Um, Yeah. Lots of school sex educators will not say vagina, but they will say penis. And I'm like, what in the bias? (laughs) Not only that, I think another issue, and you might have mentioned this, but it's even from the youngest age, and this, nothing's TMI on gut talk, but it's the calling of a vagina a different name. (laughs) Yeah. We couldn't even Mm -hmm. mention that word. Like, I'm not going to go on and say what we did as as a child. I think that is TMI, but... 
No, just like say it. Like I go through the book like chocha. Chocha is what I like. And I still go around my house and I'm like, oh, my chocha. Like, and like that's, I talk about that because I feel like um, there's also been like this, like, um, you know, there's been this wave of like doctors coming onto social media and they're being like, use the correct terms all the time, vagina and vulva. And I actually say in my book, like, I'm not going to do that because um, one, we will use it when it's like really important that we do. But also sometimes you're going to be like, oh my God, how many times, like that's not fun to read I don't want to read vagina vulva vagina vulva and like I also am someone who like I hate when there's the same words over and over and over um but yeah I just call out all of the euphemisms like not all of them like a lot of them yeah um but but I think it's okay to like one it's okay if it's your parts call it whatever you want but also just know the difference of your parts um and I think we can walk that line I would love to hear what you like was it in the list that I provided in the book have you gotten trying to remember I was gonna say I don't remember it wasn't in the list but it was like something so off that I was yeah I don't um, for me it was like don't talk to me about it I don't I don't want to talk and the other thing too is I remember getting my period in middle school Mm. it was as if I was keeping the White House's secrets (laughs) I would I would ask to go to the bathroom run to my locker stick a tampon like in my shirt and then cover myself I'm like I look like I'm smuggling drugs into the bathroom not a tampon I was doing that in my 30s okay like I actually I was at this um restaurant in Portland I won't remember it it's Proud Mary's amazing everybody amazing um if you ever go love their food love them love their coffee (laughs) oh my god um and yeah like it was there with my like my in-laws and I took a tampon to put it up my um sleeve of my shirt and I was like what are you doing? Like realizing like, I think I was like in my mid thirties and I was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And like, I just remember feeling like this, like this is the most amount of courage I've had to have in a long time of like just having a tampon in my hand and walking through the restaurant with it. And I was like, this is so dumb that I ever thought this was a thing. But like everything you're saying right now, like, th- this is problematic. Like, how much stress, anxiety, mental energy, everything that I was going through that you went through, like, you know, 14-ish, and here I am two decades later, and that's mm. still coming up for me on a monthly basis. Like, yeah. that's exhausting. It's not good for my hormones. And also, it doesn't normalize. Like, I basically was trying to make men who were around me, not my husband, because I'm like, bro, get me a tampon. Like, it's not a thing in our house. Um, But like my father-in-law, like I'm trying to make a man comfortable because I bleed. But he knows I bleed. And like also like, yeah, I just was like, why am I going out of my way like to make this easier on him? I'm already having to bleed and cramp and be out in public. Like, no, we're not doing this anymore. Um, But it it took a conscious effort. (laughs) I'm pledging right now, if I don't have a purse or something and I have to carry a tampon in public, I'm carrying it. Yes. I'm carrying it in my hand. Can people comment below? Can we commit? Like, people just comment below this. Like, will you commit to stop being a tampon smuggler? Like, to stop, like, smuggling things? Let's start a movement. Yes, and always just carry a tampon or a liner or something with you because you never know. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I have been at like speaking events and I'm Mm -hmm. in the bathroom and there's another speaker. I remember I was at this event speaking in Hollywood and there was this actress who was just like, she's amazing. I'm not going to say like who she is because I don't want to, I don't know. It's not my period story to tell. Um, But she like came up to me in the bathroom. I probably, I wouldn't have gotten to speak to her, but she came up to me in the bathroom. She's like, oh my God. 
I just started my period. Do you have a tampon? And I was like, I do, friend. I've got you. I always carry oh, one I just in that. case. That's such a good um, idea. Yeah. And yet, like, here's this person that's, like, you know, winning awards and, like, everybody knows them, like, on the cinema and everything. And, like, how how humanizing is that? Like, this is universal. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just yeah. a universal thing we all do. And, like, we're, like, we get to be connected in this way. And, like, the penis owners do not. So, right. they, yeah. <laughs> and, no, another thing too, just talking about things we thought of that were just completely wrong or, you know, hiding, yeah. whatever. Um, I didn't realize until a few years ago that there are only certain days of your cycle mm. you can get pregnant. Oh, yeah. And when I was, when I processed the fact that we take birth control and for a lot of us it alters our weight and our acne and all of our moods and our literal day-to-day life. When there's a small time period every month that you can get pregnant, I was like, what in the patriarchy happened here? <laughs> who who let us all think? Because I promise you, maybe Jen and I were both blacked out in the trailer in middle school where they told us. <laughs> I had no idea and it made me really sad. And so I, I learned this from you. It, it was I think it was a TikTok, actually. And so I went on TikTok. Oh, notorious and I like, TikTok. Right. <laughs> I went on TikTok on our platform and I said, I learned something from Dr. Brighton. You could find the TikTok. I've quoted you many times. And I was like, did you know when I tell you we had hundreds of thousands of views, we had people being like, what? Tagging friends. And then we had the people of like, don't let it fool you. That's I got I got pregnant on an off day and I'm like get away don't scare the masses right. away like we need or to there's know the this. people this one like seriously like I I try to like I'm trying to not be explosive in anger but it really gets me when people are like don't tell women that because then there's gonna be all these unintended pregnancies and then with Roe v Wade like you know all that that dumpster fire that's going on people are like you're dangerous I made a video talking about my own fertility journey, trying to get pregnant. All of my hashtags are trying to concede, fertility journey, like all of that. And talking about the frustration of when you're trying to get pregnant and there's only one day for that sperm and egg to meet. And anyone who's ever been on a trying to conceive journey knows that it sucks so hard when you know you missed that day. Because you know you have one day. And everybody who's trying to get pregnant they it's really only once you struggle to get pregnant then then somebody like gives you this information of like sperm lives five days you ovulate one day that egg only lives about 24 hours and that's it friend that's it and I did that on TikTok and the number of people um that came on being like this is so dangerous and like you're gonna hurt women and like the the number of doctors who think they get to gatekeep information that because they're keeping you safe by not telling you the truth about your reproductive health, they have every right to lie to you about your body. And it is a freaking lie to tell you, you can get pregnant any day out of your cycle. And I've had patients come to me whose providers tell them that. And then when they're trying to get pregnant, their providers like just have sex every other day. I'm like, okay, firstly, nobody's like gonna be into that when you have that pressure of having sex um, every other day I have a whole chapter on libido in is this normal you will find out why um and you probably already know why if you were told you have to have sex you're gonna be like I don't want to have sex most people do not want to have sex when the pressure is like that so 
And when I explained to them, like, actually, there's these signs and you can do basal body temperature recording and you can do LH test strips and there's a way to know when you're ovulating. Mind blown. And also they're like, I've been trying to get pregnant for like two years and it's not been working. And then they get pregnant immediately. Like, that's bullshit. It's total bullshit that like your providers think that they are truly doing the disinformation and yet they're on social media accusing anybody who shares these facts, this factual biology of disinformation. And I have even, I just hit my mic because I'm so fired (laughs) up. Um, I have even had like people report me on TikTok saying like, this is wrong. And then I just appeal to TikTok and TikTok's like, yeah, this shouldn't have been taken down. This is not not disinformation at all. I'm like, no. You can freaking Google it and you can find it. Like you can find this information in reputable sources. But meanwhile, doctors are out there being like, you know, no, you know, they, I've literally had them comment where they're like, oh, I don't think she understands what it means when we tell people you can get pregnant anytime in your cycle. I'm like, oh, you you think I don't understand what the hell that means <laughs> that you're saying? Like, no, you don't ovulate any day. You don't spontaneously ovulate multiple times in your cycle. There is a one and done day. Um, but it was just, uh, the fact that even just talking about myself and my own fertility struggles, like I have had multiple miscarriages and I've like really been struggling this past year. And in talking about that, people were like, your pain doesn't matter. Your experience doesn't matter. Your like this information that might help somebody else who's trying to conceive doesn't matter. All that matters is the, like, think of the children, like that Maude Flanders. Think of the children. Like, Mm. there's a reason why they killed her off. Like, (laughs) she's gone for a reason off The Simpsons. For anyone who's ever watched that or is old like me, you know. They're like, you gots to go, Karen. You gots to go. They should have named her Karen. But, um, yeah. So, anyhow, you are correct. I talk about that in Beyond the Pill. I also talk about that and Is This Normal? That you can do the calculation. And I say in Is This Normal, you choose your own adventure. Is it sperm dodging or is it baby making? Like, are you, like, what do you want to do here? Because with this information, you can make different decisions. Because we pretend so often in medicine, like the birth control pill works for everybody or that's just what you have to do. And it doesn't. And sometimes you have to change formulations. Sometimes you need to get an IUD instead. Sometimes the implant works. Sometimes the NuvaRing will work better. Um, and sometimes you just cannot tolerate the hormones for whatever reason. Do we know? No, because research isn't going to do that because they know your doctor will just recommend it anyway. So what does it mm-hmm. matter? Um, and so there are options in all of that. And I think whenever I talk about fertility awareness method, people very much are like, You're, that doesn't work for everyone. True. Not everything will work for everyone, which is right. my entire point. And the point of Beyond the Pill is like, Let's have individualized conversations and stop pretending that there is a one-size-fits-all to any contraceptive method. You need to find the one that works for you, that you can be successful with, that has the least amount of side effects. And speaking of side effects and maybe helping other, other people understand what works for them, I think something that I believe happened to myself, I didn't recognize it until after, was mental and emotional issues due to the pill. How Mm -hmm. do we decipher? Because maybe I feel, I think I feel okay. But when I was on the pill, I actually stopped it, went on it again. I was 10 times more emotional. And I was like, and thank goodness, I was like, what the hell is happening to me? Made the connection that this was my birth control. Do you mind talking a little bit about how those that can be a side effect? Because I think it pains more people than maybe they even realize. 
Well, in 2016, I believe it was, the JAMA study came out, 1.6 million women talking about, maybe it was 1.6. I could be getting that number wrong, but it was well over a million women that they found there was definitely a connection. We sure as hell did not need a study to say that there's a connection, but we did need the validation because um, since the introduction of the pill, uh, if people don't know, it was experimented on the women of Puerto Rico without their consent, and they did complain about mood side effects and they were dismissed. And even though we changed the formulation, the mood-related side effects still persist for a lot of women. And there's been iterations over time, but the problem is, you know, with this, is how often have women been dismissed or been told you're just emotional, you're just moody, Uh, it's just who you are, like you're just depressed. And when in fact that we know that from the little research we have, and we need a lot more, for some women, the pill absolutely changes their behavior and it changes it changes who they are is sometimes what people say to me. So I'll have patients say, I was a different person on the pill. I definitely resonate with this. I went through that experience as well of being severely depressed on one form of the pill. And then I changed formulations and things got better. And the problem is, is that the main people prescribing the pill they're the people who work down there. So they're down up in your pelvis. They're not the people who have a good understanding of what's going up on upstairs. Um, and we know from the research that these hormones absolutely do influence neurotransmitters. They are involved in how we how we set up our brain, how we lay down things that we are learning. I mean, our natural progesterone is involved in myelin sheath building. Like, we know that if you are in menopause and your estrogen is down, that you're going to feel more depressed, that you're going to have issues. If your progesterone is down, you're going to have anxiety. We know all of these things to be true. We could just listen to our patients. We would know these things. But we also have research to back that up. And yet when it comes to the pill, there are so many deniers. And they say, causation, you know, correlation does not equal causation. Causation does not equal correlation. And like, you've got to know the difference. yes. Yes, and she's sitting in front of you telling you, I started the pill and my life feels like it's ending, like it's over, like I'm so depressed, my relationship is on the line, I'm not productive at work, like this is affecting her majorly, disrupting her life. And you're going to sit here and be like, there's never been a study to show that the pill causes mood symptoms. F right off. Like I cannot even handle that because the reality is, is there is a correlation. Will we ever be able to show that birth control directly causes issues? Probably not. Can we directly show like that many things are like the sole cause of like depression or anxiety? It's very hard. It's very hard because we don't live in a vacuum. We walk around in a world. We have complex experiences with other people. We have these childhood histories that could impact like not only brain development, but our emotions, our personality altogether. And, you know, we do, anytime we do see research coming out where people start talking about this, there is such a line of people there to just like, it's a witch hunt. It's really just a witch hunt where they just will not tolerate hearing anything that goes against their like pseudo feminist dogma. And it really is pseudo feminist because if you were truly a feminist, you would be all about making sure women had all the information and that their experiences could be validated and heard and you wouldn't be bearing this. So one mechanism, and I talk about this in Beyond the Pill, 
is that hormonal birth control can be inflammatory for some people. We see elevations in a protein called C-reactive protein, which is a marker of inflammation. Inflammation can disrupt your serotonin pathways and you actually make more neurotoxins than you make these neuroprotective molecules. And you may not be getting the serotonin and then thereby not getting the melatonin that you need. And that is one mechanism that could possibly be at play. We also know that there are nutrient depletions that can happen. There's lots of people who are like, well, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get scurvy from the pill. Like, yeah, do we live on ships? Are we pirates? Like, we don't see scurvy. Like, that's that's crazy talk. Like, we're not talking about like whether you have like a frank disease. Like, we're not talking about rickets here. We're talking about suboptimal nutrition, which undeniably impacts your body. But then that's being this is information being parroted from people who are never required to study nutrition, who have no nutrition background, whatever, and will tell you that if you're on the pill, just eat a standard diet and you'll be fine with these nutrients, not recognizing that the standard American diet is in the research, like what the worst of the worst is that they compare to. So like there's like Mediterranean. We love that. We be loving Mediterranean. And then there's standard American. Wah, wah. So (laughs) there's all these like mechanisms that we need to explore and understand. And for me as a provider and when I am, am, you know, speaking at conferences to other practitioners, I'm like, do a history. If they have a history of depression, they have a history of postpartum depression, they have a history of, um, you know, a family, familial depression. Um, If like they have high ACE scores, there's no research showing that adverse childhood events is correlated with the pill and depression. And yet, if you have a history of adverse childhood events, you are at higher risk of depression. So why would we not consider that? Consider these things. Keep tabs on them. Don't just send them the pill uh, prescription and then be like, whatever, we'll see you when we see you. Like, have your MA. Have somebody just follow up in about three months and ask, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Do a little mini mental health screening before they start the pill and then after they get on it. But like, what is all of this? This is more work for the provider. And a lot of providers are like overworked as it is. And it's not standard of care. So they're not going to do it. Um, And those those little things like we could catch we could catch things and make sure that people's mental health is protected and that we make sure that this formulation is working for them and it is the best thing for them um because there are certainly times where it's not going to be and then there's gonna be times that it's a non-issue altogether i love that i'm just i'm happy that the conversation is being had and i know you have this conversation all the time but i don't think we're going to be even close in the next few years to having the conversation enough. Like it, mm-hmm. it can't be had enough because I think there are so many women that still haven't heard these things that haven't been validated that the way that they're feeling is not normal. And they have, you know, there are fixes and there are, there's tons of things you can do. Um, and I love the idea that you have this uh, checklist in your book coming out because one of the scariest things I think is going to your OBGYN and being like, okay, I know these things aren't normal. I know I'm feeling depressed. I know I have these really painful periods, but they're going to go in there and they're going to start talking their doctor talk and they're going to just convince me that I'm fine or that, Mm -hmm. you know, I shouldn't get off birth control or that I need to get back on it or whatever their solution they think is. And I love the idea that you're arming women to be able to just stand up for themselves because we, as women, we have this innate feeling. We know mm-hmm. how our bodies feel. We, Jenna and I Absolutely. say, listen to, trust your gut, listen to your gut. Yeah. We know yeah. how we feel. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can be 
um, I, I say doctor talk because it's just, it's these words that I don't know, but I know they're not right. But then you get mm-hmm. intimidated and you leave yeah. and you're, you feel so defeated. And all you can do, in my opinion, for someone who's, you could go to medical school, sure, or you mm. could go and get into the line of work. But if nothing else, you can educate yourself for yourself. And then mm-hmm. maybe tell a girlfriend. Maybe say, yeah. I read this book or I started following this page and I've learned this and you should learn it too. Because the more normal we, the more we bring tampons to the restroom in public and the more we talk about these things and remind everyone that it's not normal, the closer we get. Like, I feel like it Mm -hmm. takes all of us. Like, we can't battle this on our own. Yeah, and I think social media... I know TikTok, TikTok was the first platform we started on. So it's kind of like our core platform. Since starting it three years ago, and I know you started your platform a little before that, I'm sure you've seen massive growth in terms of people talking about it. Because now on TikTok, I'm seeing people talk about cycle syncing. And, you know, I mean, that's huge right now. And more about periods. So I'm I'm really happy and I'm sure you're very happy to see the conversation come up more. But as Jill said... There's still, still, still so many questions. How are we going to get this message out to more people? Or how are people going to be able to find more information for themselves? Yeah. Okay. So a few things. Um, Firstly, most, it's really funny to me how many people don't know that I have drbrighton.com. D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N.com. And uh, yeah, you're being like, okay, did you know I had a website that's full of tons of information? Okay, Jill's like nodding yeah. her head. I'm like, <laughs> oh um, yeah, the resources, the resources like, are my home. We go deep into it. And not everyone wants to like know yeah. everything. But you will find so much there. And so cool. what I will say is that if you go to my website, I mean, you're going to find things about period problems. You're going to find things about birth control. You're going to find things about postpartum. You're going to find things about getting pregnant. Like we cover a ton of women's health information there. And mm-hmm. I've really built that to be the resource that's the main hub. I'm only recognizing please forgive me, everybody. I am only now recognizing that Ask Dr. Brighton's transient stories that live on Instagram for 24 hours um, or even just like TikTok bites or um, Instagram, you know, reels, like these kinds, it's not enough for people and it's kind of hard to navigate. And so um, Mm -hmm. I'm just now realizing like we need to make a main hub, which uh, people are hearing it here first. I'm going to be taking a lot of that over to YouTube so that you can actually search it and find it on my channel and be able to ask Dr. Brayton and for you to see me reading your questions, talking to you about it, um, and going like a little bit layer deeper, but still keeping it bite size. I think people's attention spans, they are decreasing in terms of like what we're seeing on social media. But I also want to respect that when you're in pain or you're having problems, you're, you don't want um, you know, I think about the podcasts that are always like, tell us your life story and like, da, 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 and they talk so much about me for like 15 minutes. And I'm, I, I am like, this is how you do your podcast. And I respect that. Right. And I also am like, I don't think people care about me as much as they care about this information. Um, and it's, it's I'm good true. with that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good with that. So, um, that's a couple of resources. Another resource, if you are someone who's struggling with um, mental health and you're on birth control, I highly recommend reading your, uh, This Is Your Brain on Birth Control by Dr. Sarah Hill. She is a PhD oh. researcher and um, I'm just gobsmacked at how many times she shares her research that she has done, published, 
peer-reviewed research and I see an OB-GYN say, oh God, people clearly just don't understand the research. I'm like, what? (laughs) Because it like flies in the face of what they say. So let me just say that like if... I can't change their minds if the researcher who supplies them the information that should change their clinical practice can't change their mind. Like, it's not worth the effort. It is not worth the effort. And I will say that some of the biggest haters that I had when I came out with Beyond the Pill and they they were like many haters, mostly credentialed, lining up, trying to get my account taken down. Like, just like, it. I was like, I cannot, this is not ethical professional behavior, but okay. They were like, we shouldn't talk about this, all this stuff. They are now talking more about informed consent. And I'm like, you might hate me, but uh, baby, did I not change your behavior? And are you not now talking about individualized risks when it comes to birth control? I even hear them taking my actual language, like things that I have said on like the 200 plus podcasts that I have been on, taking my exact language, putting it in their mouth, and then while at the same time, like making backhanded remarks about me. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? You're still talking about it. Like we're still getting change. And that's what, like I wasn't here. I know some of you, like some of them are here just to like build big platforms and be most popular. I was never popular in high school. So I don't need that. I got used to that like a long time ago. I just need to see change in women's health and I cannot do it on my own. So I gave you the website. I talk about like these books. Like I write books. I do all this stuff. I'm still one person. How women's medicine is really going to change is by patients demanding that change. By Mm -hmm. women going in and saying to their provider, so like all those checklists that I have for you and is this normal, you shouldn't have to decode doctor language. That's BS. Your doctor should speak to you in a way that you can understand because guess what? You can't have, it's not informed consent if nobody spoke to you in a way that you actually understood and answered all of your questions. It does not pass the test. And so, but the reality is, is that's the way it is. And so for you to be able to go to your provider, advocate for yourself, but do not be afraid to just get rid of that provider and find someone else because not everybody in life is going to be a good fit for a relationship with you. And a provider, you know, a patient doctor, that's a relationship. That's a patient doctor relationship. So it's okay if it doesn't work for you. It's not, you know, you can be like, it's me. It's not you. I need more and I'm not getting it. Like, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, Definitely everybody talking about it a whole lot more there are people that I see all over TikTok it'll pop up in my FYP and there are people talking they're literally like talking about beyond the pill they're sometimes reading from it and I can hear it and I know that's me because I know how I talk and they they don't even know it's me like they don't I don't get any tags or anything and like there's like which is like I mean that's like that's a different story and whatever but um that is just something that I'm like wow Like this is spreading in such a way that it's not even associated with me and that I am okay with, that people are like, I'm going to talk about my body. I'm going to talk about my experience. I'm going to share this story. And it doesn't always have to be on social media. I will say that if you are listening to this holding space for people in your life to be able to feel safe and vulnerable to have these conversations with you, like I opened up in my social circle about my miscarriages and the moms that were like, oh my God, I've never told anybody. Like, oh my God, me too. Or some of the other things that I have dealt with. Like these are people in my personal life who are suffering silently because they didn't feel safe. They felt that they weren't normal or that their body was broken, which is what is this normal is going to help dispel. Like the number of, um, 
you know, conversations that are going to come out of this. Like in the dedication, I'm like, you know, if nothing else, it'll give you some interesting conversations like, right. to have. <laughs> um, but I'm like, I just cannot wait until like I'm sitting at a restaurant and I overhear women like talking like, did you know? Did you know that like, you know, you can only get pregnant one a day out of the month? Or like, did you know that like, you know, there's this orgasm gap and that like, you know, a lot of women that are in heterosexual relationships aren't actually coming? Like, did you like, I just, I can't wait. I, I'm like really excited for that and like that is really how we create change um you you start in your social circles you start in your community you work your way out from there and then you also just demand better for yourself Mm, I love that when when does your book come out April 4th yes Mm -hmm. so we're in the UK you have to wait a couple of days I think it's April 6th in the UK which is also UK Australia India couple other countries people are always asking like is it going to be in other countries I'm like ask just start asking and they will get it translated in other countries the audiobook is exciting too how was that I read it it's yeah was it grueling or fun um okay so it's grueling in that like my neck is still messed up it's like two weeks since um because I had to just sit in one position and I am somebody um I'm neurodivergent so when I hyper focus like I hyper focus and I do not want to be disturbed or disrupted and my poor podcast producer was like you've been sitting it's been over two hours and you're just going I'm like do you want to take a break I'm like I have to finish this section like you don't I I just have but you're just like holding still and reading and da 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 um it's literally like that there's I gotta, I gotta release some behind the scenes videos where like I literally am like a metronome for myself, like doing mm-hmm. the finger so that I keep a cadence. And she was oh, like, that's oh, awesome. I've this. Okay. That's awesome. Um, the number of times, so if people are new to me, I think I'm funny. And uh, <laughs> I write books in a way that make me laugh. If I'm not enjoying it, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm out. I just, will not gonna write this book. Cause I think learning about sex, I mean, sex makes you giggle as it is. And like, queefs are yeah. giggly. And, um, you know, butt lightning. Like, they, when you hear these things, like, you can't help but like just wanna kinda giggle a little bit. Right. Or maybe I'm the only adolescent in the room. But with <laughs> that, um, you know, I, so, you know, the whole point of it though is this that, like, maybe you don't think I'm funny. I think I'm funny, but that also made it very hard to read an audiobook because. I was just like dying laughing and sometimes crying because I would just be like I wrote yeah. that like, I love and that and my podcast no, producer awesome. I would look it's, over I, she was cracking up oh uh, I'm I'm as I said I've been reading the book and it's it's interesting because it's it, it definitely obviously we've been following you for a while now but you can totally feel that like you like like you if that makes sense. Like you write it in such a way that's like, I just feel like I'm kind of sitting down next to you talking about it, which is really awesome because I think these topics, as we said, are, can be very taboo, but it feels comfortable. And I think everyone who's listening, you're going to really enjoy that aspect because it's like, you're talking to like the fun aunt or something like that. So I would be on the pillow I got uh, called the older sister. So I guess I'm getting old enough okay, to be yeah. an aunt now. <laughs> right. That's, that's, what, that's, I'm, that's okay. what I'm nicknaming you. Uh, yeah. But like, or the older point, sis. I'm like, at what point am I going to be the grandma? I'm going to be like the right. cool grandma. <laughs> I didn't mean to that's age you. Coming. I promise that. No, no. You're totally fine. I am not offended Thanks. at all. I think it's um, hilarious. And that's like how I want to write things. Like I can't. Yeah. There are like really, really smart 
smart doctors who have great information to share but sometimes I get into their books yeah. and I just like yeet that thing right across the room because I like oh, yeah yep. like why right. why does it have to be and sometimes like I know these people in real life and I'm like you're funny you are great right. like in real life like I want you in this book like why and because like I kind of started this with Beyond the Pill too when I started writing it. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be a doctor. This is how doctors write. This is how doctors talk. Like, I need to be professional. And I like, seriously, my agents, like, I got this call and I was like, I'm getting a call from New York. Like, that seems ominous. Like, let me answer it. And they were like, your publishers just called. What the hell did you turn in? Um, they're actually like, my agents are like really lovely. I love them so much. Uh-huh. Um, I, but they were just like, this will not stand. Like, it's it's horrible. <laughs> they, they didn't buy the information. They bought you. Like, just write it like right. you. And I'm, I needed permission. I needed somebody to be like, be you. Like, we want right. you. Right. Um, because I think there's that imposter syndrome and then also what we're told like doctors should be professional um, and so that's what I do now and I just do me and I, and like look like there's not like I just totally oh, like not everybody's gonna love me uh, people in real life don't like me sometimes like they're just like I mean ever since I was a child I've been told I'm too much like my hair's too big uh, you know my I talk too loud I talk too much like I'm just too much that's okay I'm always gonna be too much for somebody but for the right people I'm gonna be like the right amount also you can always like take breaks from me like <laughs> you can pause um, you know but like I do get a lot of people that are just like this is the first time I've ever understood my body and I'm like if you knew how many science classes I had to take before I understood how the menstrual cycle worked. Like I got to a point, I was like in my master's and I was just like, I can't, I don't think I'm ever going to understand this. <laughs> well, yeah, because like geriatric men are teaching me this. Like, <laughs> like why didn't I piece that together? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I was in medical school that I was just like, you know, seeing everything. And I was like, oh, this all makes sense. And I thought it was a knee issue for a long time of like, oh, we just had to take like four or five classes, like college level classes before I could understand the menstrual cycle. And then I was like, what the hell? Nobody should have to go to medical school to understand the body they live in. And so that's when I was like, I'm going to disrupt the system. Like I'm going to just come in and I'm going to be like, nobody, nobody struggle. Like I struggled to where I was just like, I'm never going to understand it. Like I was giving up on it. And now I'm a naturopathic endocrinologist and like hormones is like all I do. Right. And that's your purpose. That's awesome. No one should have to struggle to understand the body they live in. I mean, like, can we get that on a poster? Billboards driving down the highway? Right. Because with the pink background, that would be awesome. Because, like, that's that is such a basic statement that is so huge. Because I feel like that is today's world Mm -hmm. struggling to understand the literal body you live in. Like, you can't escape your own body. Like, like you said, you can take breaks from me if you think I'm too much, but you can't take breaks from yourself. Like, all right, acne, too much. I'm gonna head out for a little bit. (laughs) You can't do that. That'd be (laughs) so sweet. Right? You're like, all right, you know what? You're moving. Yeah. yeah. You're you're a little you're a little sensitive today. I'll see you tomorrow. Right. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, this has been oh, incredible. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. for joining us today. Um we're going to put everything in the show notes. So, when your book's dropping, the link to your website, the link to your social so everyone can 
um, start educating themselves on their own body. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, thank you for making this conversation so fun. Um, I have to say, like, I've been doing so many podcasts. This one was super fun, really enjoyable. Um, and, like, let's just make sure that we're collabing on social media as well. So you were like, how do we get more people to, like, make these changes? Like, the, we'll collab. We'll collab yeah, because we together we can be a lot louder. Um, we can be too much together. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Yay.